they wanted people to believe that bad guys get set up and he didn't necessarily do this. They pay no attention, no attention to the victims or the horrific acts that Ted Bundy perpetrated on them. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite gripping investigations ad-free? Good news! With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash ad-free true crime. That's amazon.com slash ad-free true crime to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hello and welcome to Best Case, Worst Case. This is Jim Clemente, retired FBI profiler, former New York City prosecutor, and writer-producer on CBS's Criminal Minds. With me today in the studio is... Hi, Jim. It's Francie Hakes, everybody, former state and federal prosecutor. Jim, we're together. We're not remote. Isn't that special, It's amazing. It's amazing. It It really is. I think people believe that we should always stay apart because they're pretty sure that we hate each other. But everyone really knows that we're basically brother and sister. Everyone knows brother and sister. They bicker. Yeah, and I don't hate you. Oh, nice. Much. That's damning with faint praise. Nice. (laughs) Just keep the conspiracy going, Jim. Mm -hmm. But anyway, this is another episode of Worst Case Scenario. Yeah. A.K.A. Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil, and Vile. There's no doubt it's a worst case scenario. We've had people writing in for weeks now asking us to talk about this movie. Oh my God. It is horrific, Horrific. horrible, stupid, ignorant, foul. Can I say anything more? I mean, I have never, I cannot believe the level of actors that are in this movie and the shit, the crap, the ignorant... Just juvenile, stupid stuff that's in this movie. Yeah, it's shocking. Can and you tell I loved it? Well, I can tell. But also, before I watched it, I remember seeing the controversy. So the movie is released by Netflix. And there's a kind of a, quote, backlash against Zac Efron, where um, some of the marketing materials show him in what is clearly designed to be attractive poses, like he's appealing, he's handsome. And of course, Zac Efron is appealing and handsome. And so is Ted Bundy. Ted Bundy was appealing and handsome, but they are literally glorifying it. Jim, it's what we talk about all the time. They pay no attention, no attention to the victims or the horrific acts that Ted Bundy perpetrated on them. Absolutely. That's absolutely true. I mean, we'll get into it, but I mean, first of all, what are the first lines of the movie? Do you remember the night we met, right? His girlfriend, who was a single mother when he met her, comes in to visit him in prison. But the asinine nature and the horrific writing here is that she says, do you remember the first night we met? So they could kick into a flashback. But then the next thing out of her mouth is, I didn't come here to catch up. Yeah, so why did so she say So what the fuck it? did you say that well, for? Well, it's a stupid storytelling device. It's ignorant. It's so bad. That's what I'm saying. The writing in this is horrific. And I'm telling you this, even if I wasn't a writer, I would be saying this is horrific. There's such juvenile crap in this. I, mean, I will see it over and over and over again. The way they actually try to portray stuff, it is like the worst smarmy C-movie 
I've ever seen. And I can't believe, again, the level of actors. I know, Zac Efron. And, and the other and actors. And who was the judge? I know. They were, they're big actors. And they agreed to be part of this movie that if you read this script, you knew from the beginning that you were not going to be portraying Ted Bundy as the vile, evil, horrific killer that he was. But I'm not even getting there yet. I'm saying just on a basic Hollywood level, this sucks. Yeah. This is so bad. It's not good. This is, to, to say this is a movie with A-list stars, I mean, it's outrageous. It's so bad. And then where were their tech advisors? Did you see in the trial where Mr. Big Bang Theory says, Judge, is he allowed to keep talking? I know. What? <laughs> I what? know. It was crazy. And I love Jim Parsons. I, I think he's a great actor, too. And for him to participate in this movie where he looked completely ineffectual against a man oh, who did like not a have a law ball. degree right. and against whom the evidence was quite, quite strong. Bundy makes an objection. It's a narration on behalf of the witness, and the judge sustains it. I know. That was absurd, and it made it's me jump out of my seat. a narration on behalf I, of the witness? It made no sense whatsoever. It makes, it's not even English. It, well, what are they talking about? Well, it's in, in spite of not being English, it's also not legally. No, it has it nothing to do with the trial. It's, yeah, Let, uh, let's start back at the beginning. All right, if we have to. We all have right, to. let's do that. Because it starts out. As a love story. I know. How well, beautiful. I think it continues as a love story. And that's what pissed me off the most mm. about this documentary. Or, well, I keep calling it a documentary. But this movie, quote unquote, I'm using scare quotes, movie, like you said, the meat cute, the meat in the bar, if I'm not mistaken, after Ted Bundy has already slaughtered several women at that point in his life. Right, of course. And they talk briefly about, you know, we hear some sort of, disembodied voice talking about these women that are missing and where their bodies were discovered. That's it. We it's don't hear so much separated. of anything. There's mm -hmm. no, there's absolutely, the victim's voice is 100% cut off, gone, never see it, never hear it, never get anything like what really happened. How fucking horrible a person this person was. He was a sexual sadist. Do you know what that means? He was sexually aroused by causing and witnessing the suffering of others. That got him off sexually. He killed women over and over again, and a little girl, a 12-year-old girl. I know he did. Well, and the thing that really drove me crazy about this movie was the victimization of Ted Bundy. Oh, God, yes. So he it's was a the love victim. story, and then the entire show, he's... Oh, they're setting me up. Oh, and then and then the stupid scene where he says, you know, oh, that car's following me. So he goes out and he chases after the car. Why are you doing this? Give me a break. And his practice jailbreaks. I mean, I just don't understand what the producers are thinking, but let's talk a little bit about Ted Bundy. And let's talk about how much material there could have been here to, let's face it, it's Hollywood. So entertainment is an important thing, but also education, Jim. You're talking about a serial killer that an awful lot of people today, especially true crime fans, may be too young to really remember. Right. So this was a great opportunity to fictionalize a very interesting, if not incredibly horrific, well, brutal, but an interesting biopic, story. Right. Yeah. Or a biopic. Right. And you would expect it to be somewhat related to reality. There were like a few things. And I'm sure they showed every part of the trial that they actually put in the trial was what they showed 
as repeats at the end. They showed the actual clips from the outtakes trial. from the trial. Oh, it was such it was it was just the garbage, the writing in this. I just can't get over it. They want you to swallow the stupidest, ignorant stuff. Now, they want you to believe that the same woman who actually picked up the phone and called the police and said, Ted Bundy is the one you should be looking for, is the same one that basically ran around believing that he didn't do anything. Right. And who loved him and who ca- who cried and who f- who, in spite of having a new boyfriend, as they depict in the movie, right. <laughs> continues to watch his trial and cry when he gets convicted and sentenced. And here's what they left out, Jim. This is this reminds me of the staircase. Remember when we discussed the staircase and the killer and the wife and the stupid owl theory? And we talked about what the filmmakers never told us. Right. which was that one of the filmmakers was sleeping with the offender, the killer in this case. Right. And of course that skewed the entire coverage. This was this movie, this Bundy movie was based on the girlfriend's book, which again, I thought was a little bit interesting. She wrote a book right around the time that all this happened, uh, obviously trying to cash in mm. on her relationship with Ted Bundy. So she is not an innocent player in all of this herself, but they did not in the movie put in the fact that she says Ted Bundy tried to murder her by burning down her house with her daughter with in, her it? in it. How about her daughter? I don't know if her daughter was in it or not, but with her in it. So he did try to kill her. So he wasn't, there wasn't this, Oh, this is aber. This is an aberration. I'm kind of a killer on the side, but I love you. And I'm capable of being a father figure and being a husband figure. No, he's Just not. Made me sick. Just made me sick over and over and over again. They show him as the victim. Oh, as being pursued, as the cops are setting him up. And and the cops, really? Really? This is who they get to play, the cops? I mean, just goofy, ridiculous, non-professional, nothing actually that comes out of their mouth. Is anything a cop would really say? No, I think the answer to your earlier question is they had no tech advisors. Or if they did, they weren't people that had any experience in law enforcement. Or prosecution, because the scenes were just a joke. I mean, I hope that the trial scenes were taken from the real trial, but I think they took some liberties there. They definitely took some liberties. Well, they certainly did in terms of, I mean, how a judge could sustain an objection that does not make any legal sense or any grammatical sense. It's it's just a narration on behalf. I think what he meant was on the part of not on behalf of. Right. And if a witness is, quote, narrating, well, that means he's asked an open-ended question. That's right. And they're allowed to narrate as an of answer. Course. They're allowed to give an answer. Of course. They, they, they have to give an answer. It's not like the prosecution was narrating. If he had subjected to something like that, then that's objectionable and that could be sustained. But it's just it was clear that it was just some goofy foolish person who considered themselves a writer who never bothered to even run it by anybody who even looked at a law school in their life. No. And I, you know, they had the actual transcripts of the trial. You would think. You would think they had some. Well, they were, they were, it was nationally broadcast. They clearly had the clips. So let's go back a little bit, Jim. Sometimes when we talk about these cases, uh, I tend to forget that a lot of our listeners, we have a lot of listeners overseas. And while these cases, we know our American audience, most of them anyway, know all the facts of the cases. Our overseas audience, especially, and our younger listeners definitely don't. 
So let's get into a little bit of the facts of Ted Bundy and then talk about the contrast between the Ted Bundy that we all know from history and reality and the Ted Bundy being portrayed in this extremely wicked, shockingly evil and vile stupidity called a movie. So way back when, I mean, he was a fairly young man, I think in his 20s, when, at least as far as we know, he started killing. Right. And what most people don't know, and they certainly won't know if they watch this Netflix uh, movie, is the brutality, like you said, sexual sadism apparent in his killings. And that was something that the movie people just glossed over. So if you look at what Ted Bundy did and you look at the victims that he killed, can you put him on a scale for me of serial killers, you know, that the public might know or or a scale for me of what you think of from one to 10 depravity? What's the yeah, depravity I mean, level He's up there killer? with Dahmer and Gacy. I mean, he's up there with the worst. He actually killed people who fit a a physical stereotype. He had his particular type of woman that he wanted to go after. And most of the time he did go after women that looked like that sort of the brown hair, ponytail kind of thing. And he would feign that he was injured. He'd have a fake cast on and, and have to move something. So he uh, got women who were helpful, you know, who, who felt bad for him to help him out. I mean, that it's basically he, his, crimes were the basis for the movie Silence of the Lambs. I mean, in that movie, you'll see the serial killer that's depicted in Silence of the Lambs lured a victim to his van by, you know, he's trying to drag a couch or something into the van, but he's got a cast on. Well, that's based on Bundy. But Bundy would brutally beat and use hammers and and nail claws and other weapons to beat women to death. He strangled them. He raped them. He killed them and he cut one of the victims' heads off. So you said sexual sadist, but that almost sounds to me like more than that. I mean, I I get that part, but it also sounds to me like there was a certain attitude he had toward these women. I mean, you're talking about someone who was disfiguring them, who was just brutalizing them. That sounds like just a tremendous amount of rage. Yeah, there is. But, you know, a sexual sadist, they're the most dangerous type of offender because, well, because they actually are sexually aroused by causing the pain and suffering. So the more pain and suffering they cause, the more aroused they get. It's a real reinforcement of that arousal pattern killing one person turns them on tremendously they'll fantasize about doing it beforehand they'll do it get really aroused they'll fantasize about it afterwards and want to do it over and over and over again and that's what he did and he traveled the states man he was you know in the pacific northwest he went to colorado he ended up down in florida and he killed two nursing students i believe i mean brutally brutally raped and beat them and he was just on a spree at that point He was one of the most prolific, certainly one of the smartest serial killers that we've ever had and most despicable. And the fact that he also was carrying on a relationship on the side was also, I think, for him, just sort of a a proof that he was better than everybody, that he could basically flaunt that in the face of his girlfriend and he could be around these people and pretend that he was normal, but in fact, it was just a little cover for him.
Are you looking for something to give your dad or maybe to celebrate your new grad? Why don't you get them a one-size-fits-all gift, like a new oral health routine with Quip? The guiding features make sticking to good habits simple, and signing them up for a subscription helps them save and refresh their brush on time. With the Quip electric toothbrush, you can show your thanks where it really counts. Did you know that people tend to brush too hard and some electric toothbrushes are just too abrasive? Well, the Quip toothbrush has sensitive sonic vibrations for an effective clean that's gentle on your gums. You can declutter your sink or cabinet or make traveling with an electric toothbrush easier with your Quip because it has a multi-use cover that works as a stand, it mounts to mirrors, it slides over your bristles to pack and to protect your Quip on the go. That's why I love Quip and why over 1 million happy, healthy mouths do too. Quip starts at just $25, and if you go to getquip.com slash bestcase right now, you can get your first refill pack for free. That's your first refill pack for free at getquip.com slash bestcase. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So when you were with the BAU, is this the kind of case, the Ted Bundy case, that is uh, trained on? Are there lessons that profilers learn from Bundy? And how does that work? So do people talk to him? Was he interviewed in prison? I think our listeners would really be interested in knowing that. Yeah, actually, my boss, Bill Hagmeyer, he was the head of the uh, Crimes Against Adults Unit and the Behavioral Analysis Unit. And he actually spent the last two weeks of Bundy's life with Bundy in prison. And that was after Bundy spent all his time lying to other cops and evangelists and so on and so forth. He's journalists. He very, very notoriously said to evangelists that, well, the reason why he killed was because he looked at pornography. And that's what they wanted to hear. So they went out and said, oh, that's why pornography kills. Yeah, that that kind of stuff. But he came clean with Bill Hagmeyer. Uh, Bill, as I said, spent the last two weeks of Bundy's life with him. And, you know, they talked about all his crimes and how much he enjoyed it. And I know Bill said that as he was recounting these crimes, he was actually luxuriating in the memory. And so that's the kind of person he is. He wasn't at all victimized by the system. He wasn't at all misled or or set up or anything like that. I mean, that's just a complete and total fabrication. And for Netflix to actually give him that voice, people are going to watch that and believe it. Oh, he might be innocent. That's right, because you've got the trial footage at the end. And so it makes you think this was basically a docudrama. Right. And it wasn't. Well, and so that brings up another question. At no, all. of course it wasn't. But that, that's another question that's, a, that's only a little bit off topic. I know that you yourself have interviewed serial killers. It's one of the things the BAU does so that you can learn, so that you can assist law enforcement agencies when they have a potential serial killer to find that person based on profiles that you've done of other serial killers. So what is that like? I mean, I'm sure you spoke with your boss and you've done it yourself. 
what is it like to sit across from someone like Bundy and have to try to build a rapport so that he feels comfortable enough to exult in the killings well, in such a way that he can give you enough details to educate you and all, your First of all, part of it is just playing to his ego. Part of it is not necessarily having to build a rapport like you would with a normal human being. I mean, when you're dealing with a psychopathic, sadistic bastard like this, he's only concerned about himself. So you play to his ego. But every you use the personality of each person against themselves. You just feed what they need and then, you know, they'll want to talk about it. Some just want to go down in history. So we offer them that, you know, we will document this and we will teach on this subject and that's great because it feeds their ego but if you want to know if you want to see a more accurate depiction of what that's like you should probably watch the series Mindhunter the Charlize Theron John Douglas series it's really amazing in terms of how well it depicts the interaction between the behavioral science guys then that's what it used to be called behavioral science now it's called the behavioral analysis unit but it really depicts very well the interactions between BAU people and serial killers. Yeah, prison. season one was fascinating. I mean, I really ate that up. I mean, I really they, loved it. They did an amazing job, especially with casting serial killers, because there's a scene in which Kemper sort of lightly touches the throat of the John Douglas character. And you could tell, I mean, Kemper was a massive guy, 6'9", 350 yeah, really or something. And just, I know, I've been locked inside of a cell with people, not quite that big, but they're scary and they have nothing to lose. They're in for their entire life or they're on death row. And, you know, nothing they could do would get them in any more trouble so they could do anything. Yeah, they have literally nothing to lose. Like right. So it's really kind of scary because you have to lock up your gun before you go in there. And you have no way to protect yourself against somebody who is a very accomplished killer in the first place. And who likes it and who, like Bundy, literally gets off on hurting people. Right. So that interaction is typically very stressful. So does that mean there are secret FBI tapes somewhere of Bundy? I'm sure there are, yeah. Let's see, I wish I'd I wish we could hear those because the the tapes that were done by the same people who did this absurd, extremely wicked, shockingly evil and vile movie uh, were also the people behind the Ted Bundy tapes one where you had um a journalist who had gone in at some point very shortly before Bundy was executed and interviewed him. Yeah, well. And he never confessed. I mean, in fact, he said, "Well, I would imagine here's the rationale behind why someone would do this. Right. But he himself never admitted his guilt. And I find that extremely frustrating. Yeah. I mean, I wonder the scene where he's talking to his girlfriend and she said, just release me, release me. She's begging him about the woman that he cut her head off. And he writes in the sort of fog on the window, hacksaw and that was the only admission that he made. I wonder if that's real or just made up, probably just made up. So, yeah. And, you know, Joe Berlinger, who made this film, this is not the first time that he did something that I consider to be asinine because in Paradise Lost, he's actually started out the film with full pictures of the naked eight-year-old boys, their bodies laying on the side of the bank of this stream 
without any bl blocking out of their face or of their genitals. To me, I consider that child pornography. I think you're right. And I think a lot of courts would consider that child pornography no because there is absolutely no reason that that should have been done. There's certainly no, quote, artistic value, which is what's required. Right. Well, there and, and just because he's putting it in a documentary doesn't mean that he's not feeding the, the fantasies of pedophiles everywhere. It was just horrible to That's see. Right. It was just such an exploitation. And I can't believe he did it. But, you know, people in the industry thinks, think he's amazing. Well, Joe, guess what? I think you're a jerk. Well, I mean, I, I don't know him, but I certainly agree with you based on that and this movie. Because to get back to the movie, you know, we know, or history tells us, the horrendous, vile things that Bundy did. And not one time during their depiction of the trial... Well, one time we heard a little bit out of uh, Jim Parsons, the prosecutor, the guy playing the prosecutor, about the horror that he visited upon one of the sorority girls. But that's almost at the end of the movie. There were like 15 minutes left at that point. And so he spent the whole movie in a in a sort of hagiographic portrayal right, of the handsome Ted information. Bundy. Yeah. Right. You, you hear Ted's side of the story the whole time. The whole you time. hear all of his bullshit. You hear all of his propaganda. You hear all of his woes and woe me and I'm pitiful and all these people are after me. But you, why don't they show him in the room with these girls? Why don't they show him? They, they show one time where they cut away, where he swings a crowbar at the head of a woman. That's it. You know, they so, don't show anything else no, that he did. They were quite delicate about it. But what they, I mean, I think in a completely inaccurate way. And what they also did, as I said at the beginning, was portray him as a victim two significant times. And then as a hero on one time. So the, the first time they portrayed him as a victim was when he gets arrested and he goes through a strip search. And he has that same look on his face that I suspect any normal person would have when they're going to be strip searched upon going in prison. He's not any normal person. The horror he visited upon these women, I don't feel one single tiny little ounce of pity for him having to be strip searched for you? security in jail. I mean, why would you? But you that's commit a crime, they, that's what you get. And that's what they were portraying. And then the second time, as if to build upon this idea of Bundy as victim. You think he didn't strip and rape? Yeah, I know. Dozens of women? Of course he did. Well, that's exactly what he did. And then the second time, you've got the sheriff who comes in and rips up the adorable little drawing that his girlfriend's daughter sent to him that he so lovingly kept, you know, in his jail cell from cell to cell, by the way. He must have had the drawing on him as he was transferred from cell to cell because it was in different places in different uh, locations. Because he escaped from a couple of I them. I know. And so he rips it up. And we're supposed to feel sorry because Bundy looks, or Zac Efron, looks stricken at having this lovely drawing. And then the third thing that bugged me was the heroic thing, the escape. You know, he's practicing in his cell. He's jumping off the bed and he's getting his ankles ready to land, you know, on hard ground. And then when he escapes, there's like the triumphant music. And the the putsy deputy, you know, who just doesn't right. know any better and is off flirting with some woman while this notorious crazed serial killer is alone with an open window. Now, I know that history tells us Bundy escaped, but why would they portray him in a heroic way? Because they were trying to make people like him. They wanted people to believe that bad guys get set up and he didn't necessarily do this. And maybe he went to the electric chair for the wrong reason. 
That's a bunch of bullshit, Joe. I'm sorry. It is. A no, bunch I'm not sorry. No. I'm very glad to say it's a bunch of bullshit. It and is. you know damn well it's a bunch of bullshit. And for the sake of making a movie, you did this. This is going to go down in history as some kind of dip- biopic. Give me a break. I know. And that's what's, to me, that's what's actually dangerous about this. And why, to me, this makes it a worst case scenario. It's not just a movie. This is something that a whole new generation will have in their heads about who Ted Bundy was. The victim's voices are lost. And I loved how at the very, very end of the movie, they put up, you know, one screen of all the women that he killed. Oh, well, thank you very much. But you didn't in any way portray victims' voices here. Right. And to say that, well, the title says everything. Why didn't the fucking movie say what the title says? That's right. Why didn't they have anything about what he did that was vile and sadistic? Why didn't they do that? Because. This causes more controversy. Yeah. Because this is new and edgy. That's bullshit. Well, Wicked is the one thing that they were trying to portray Bundy as not being, as not being wicked, that there was nothing really wicked about him, that he was warm, that he was feeling, that he was funny, that he was charming, that he was a good father figure. All part of being a good psychopath. Right. Anyway, yeah, they missed an opportunity to do something good here. Joe. Again, that's two strikes. Actually, you did a bunch of Paradise Lost movies, so I think you already have three strikes. You're out in my book. Mine too. Yeah, give me a friggin' break. I know. So for those of you out there who haven't seen it, don't I, see it. I don't recommend seeing it. Jim no, and I it's watched a waste it. Of time. It's an hour and fifty minutes. I'll never get back. It's frustrating. You learn nothing. You're much better off reading articles about what Ted Bundy did and who he really was. And if how you he terrorized know. the areas in several states where he killed young women who actually wanted to help him, who actually cared enough about other human beings to put themselves in a situation when they knew there was a killer out there to still try to help somebody. That's right. unbelievable how disgusting and disgraceful that person was. It is. And I know that you and I, Jim, don't agree on the death penalty, but for our all our listeners, just so you know, uh, Ted Bundy was very swiftly executed after this trial that's depicted in this particular movie. And so we no longer have to worry about him getting out for any reason or almost more importantly, not quite, but almost as important is he does not have an opportunity or he shouldn't have an opportunity to rehabilitate himself or get that kind of attention that he got during this trial, which actually is the one thing in the movie that is depicted as a farce. And that is all the young women who attended his trial and had obvious crushes on him, including the one woman that was helping him in the end when his girlfriend sort of abandoned him and then they got married in the courtroom. And it just shows you these serial killer groupies exists and it's disturbing and it's one of the best reasons why we should never glorify and humanize someone like Ted Bundy in this way because it just encourages that behavior in the future. Yeah, and can I just say maybe the judge was trying to make a record if they actually did quote him completely correctly, but he said, you know, I've never before in, in my years on the bench seen such a total waste of humanity. He said, you're a smart kid, you know, yeah, and you could have been a good lawyer, and I would love to have had you practice in front of me. Uh, what the fuck? What? Do you, what? 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 
was that because he was on, on a camera and he wanted to show that he was an impartial person? He goes, I hold no animosity towards you. Ugh. It's almost he like says, he admired him, but just, oh, you just made a mistake. Take that, care of yourself. Yeah. Take care of yourself. What? You're going you to the chair. sentenced him to death. Take yeah. care of yourself, partner? It made buddy? Sense. It was weird. Friend? It was weird. weird. And it does make me want to go back and look at the transcript and see if that's an accurate depiction. But Well, they did show part of that on in the end. But I hated this movie. I hated that I had to watch it. But we have to talk about some of these things. Some of these things are you know, unfortunately in the zeitgeist. And this is a perfect example of a worst case scenario because with the millions of things you can watch on TV, TV being in quotes because it's not necessarily on TV, don't waste your time on this. No. It's vile and disgusting and stupid and yeah, ignorant. The movie and is extremely wicked, and shockingly evil junk. and vile. Just yes. junk. Yeah, agreed. Can't believe it was ever made. Me neither. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of Worst Case Scenario. Ugh, it's exhausting it's to a think about one. this. Mm-hmm. It is really bad. And please, whatever you do, don't believe this crap. Till next time, thank you for listening to Best Case, Worst Case. Best Case, Worst Case is an XG production. Produced by Jim Clementi at Empire Studios, L.A. Engineered and edited by Mike Thal. Music composed and performed by Simba Sumba. And hosted by Wonder. You can listen to Best Case, Worst Case on your favorite listening app. We are on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Stories about child sexual abuse can make us feel powerless, but the good news is that there are organizations working to prevent abuse and keep kids safe. Darkness to Light and their Stewards of Children Prevention Training has trained more than 1.4 million adults to protect, recognize, and react responsibly to child sexual abuse. But there's more work to do, and with their 4 million by 2020 goal, Darkness to Light is setting their sights on training 4 million adults around the country to keep kids safe. By donating to Darkness to Light, you can help reach this goal that will make communities across the country safer places for kids. It starts with you. Visit www.d2l.org today to give. That's www.d2l.org. Dot D, the number two, L, dot org. Oh,